0: What's up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, and a little bit tired today back in the West Coast, back in the Reno-Tahoe area. Going to be here to see some friends and family and all that, and yeah, long travel day yesterday, but catching up on some sleep. It's colder temperature-wise here than Chicago, but it's that nice dry cold, so I was actually able to go out on a run with just some tights and shorts on and a sweatshirt, which is always nice. Um, I miss the West Coast weather. Every time I come back, I'm like, yeah, I probably need to stay here eventually. I don't think uh, I don't think Chicago is a good long-term spot. So it's nice to be back. It's been quiet, which is always good. Um, the room was cool last night. It wasn't hot like my apartment in Chicago. So, anyways, I could rant about all that today, but it's good to be back. I hope everyone's having a good Wednesday afternoon. And first off, rest in peace, Spain in the World Cup. I was kind of shocked that they lost to Morocco yesterday in penalties. Spain couldn't even make a single penalty, which is disappointing, to say the least. But, you know, a lot of people were saying, watch out for Morocco. I wouldn't want to play Morocco. Morocco's goalie was a stud. And here we are. So I really don't have anyone left in the World Cup anymore. And it's difficult. I don't know who I want. Um, Probably Croatia, I guess, because I like the country. And I don't really want Spain or Brazil or... Argentina. I'm kind of sick of all the big guys. So, yeah, I think I'm going with like Croatia or can't go with England. Oh god, Portugal maybe. I I don't know. I don't have a lot of a lot of interest left. So, yeah, exciting World Cup. It's been a pretty interesting first couple rounds here. So, anyways, um today I want to talk about some malicious and intentional basically attacks on the power grid in North Carolina and why this could be linked to also a warning from the Department of Homeland Security and also reports of it happening in other states. Is it just some one-off event or is there some sort of domestic terrorism or uh, anti-government actions that they want to make a statement against the country? I don't know, but we'll talk about that. And then I want to talk about the Trump Organization. Finally found guilty on, I think it was 17 counts, so we'll get into that and why I don't think it actually matters too much for Trump. And then I also just want to touch on Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock. Thank God, the sane one, Raphael Warnock did win in the runoff yesterday. So I have a little bit of hope in society left. So that should be interesting. But I want to start, this has literally nothing to do with politics or foreign affairs, but it's kind of a culture segment here. Because I mean, I I guess in, in a sense, that does have to do with our country and what drives our politics, right? Because, uh, Politics are always downstream from culture, if you're Breitbart. (laughs) I know Ben Shapiro always said that, and I always kind of agreed with them on that. But anyways, I wanted to start by taking a moment to talk about revelations or recent reports from Liver King, the Liver King guy. Uh, He is someone that's always fascinated me. If you look at him, he just doesn't look natural, but he's just like this giant jack dude. He eats raw meat and cow testicles and liver and everything raw. It's disgusting. I see his videos on like the Instagram feeds. He's a big TikTok star, and he is kind of interested in this ancestral caveman kind of lifestyle. He definitely kind of appeals to the people that want to go back to your roots type of vibes, you know, go back to the simplicity stuff, go back to how our ancestors lived. Definitely that masculine, like, kind of traditional male type of vibe. But anyways, for a long time, it seemed like... Everyone knew this guy was on steroids, even though he claimed not to be. I mean, the guy can like, you can barely see his neck, his shoulders are so popped up, and he just doesn't look like a natural bodybuilder. Of course, I don't know that much about bodybuilding, but everyone I've talked to, everyone online, I mean, even the Joe Rogans out there were like, yeah, this guy's definitely on something. So the guy for years has claimed it's all natural. It's just his ancestral diet and these pills he sells. But (laughs) guess what? Apparently he is on steroids. He's been busted. The Washington Post wrote, I think it was yesterday, in quotes here: "The self-proclaimed liver king, a muscular and often shirtless TikTok star named Brian Johnson, amassed millions of voters followed by or f- millions of followers. Sorry, by promoting an ancestral diet of beef brains, bull testicles, and raw animal livers. Yum, yum, yum." But recently, Johnson posted a different kind of viral video: an apology. Johnson admitted to taking anabolic steroids, something which he had repeatedly denied in the past. The article also writes later on. Recently, um, no, no, sorry, we we got that. Uh, skipped a line. So, I just always found this guy to be a joke, <laughs> albeit kind of an entertaining one, but definitely a joke. And it's something fitting to see his fall coming because he just seemed to be propagating something that's not genuine, right? Like I think there's no doubt that like eating liver is healthy, and you know eating meat is good in a lot of ways. But it just seemed like this guy looked insanely insanely ripped for that type of diet. And I encourage people, if you don't know who he is, for maybe some of my older listeners, to look up this guy because, yeah, he has kind of this flawed view of what it means to be healthy. Of course, the part, though, that makes me a little bit worried about society and kind of why I was bringing this up is that the Liver King is the owner of Ancestral Supplements, which (laughs) sounds like a snake oil company to me. And it sells capsules of concentrated beef, liver, organs, bones, other dietary supplements. And in, in I think it was in an interview with GQ this year, he told the interviewers that his business ventures had brought in more than $100 million a year. So that's pretty good. Kind of Alex Jones level for a while. And what that tells me is that people are buying his stuff, if those numbers are correct again. That's what he's said. And... People do fall for this stuff. I mean, you you know, you have to look at those supplements that Alex Jones was always selling that kind of ran his company. I don't think he's doing as well now, obviously, but that was kind of the big thing is he needed to sell those supplements. And, you know, some of them were just like insane products that they did research on or like none of these even have any nutritional value. And it's just kind of funny to see. It was funny, maybe kind of disturbing that people just fall for this stuff. And these guys can just do so well on almost a grift, you know. Before we move on, I, I think it's also just interesting um, because I I laugh about these people who want to do these early man, ancestral caveman type of diets or lifestyles. Like I understand that being uncomfortable, putting yourself through challenges is good. Like that's why I like to do long runs. It's it's good to push yourself. But I also understand that simplicity and like okay, there's a difference between going back to the basics and trying to live kind of a simple good life. But I don't think a lot of p- these people who claim to be going into this ancestral lifestyle under- understand kind of how short, brutal, difficult life was. Like, it's one thing to like want to go back to the eating habits, you know, of like the- what the Liver King did, raw meat and stuff. But I'm currently personally fine with eating a steak that's been cooked like medium rare with some potatoes and some asparagus or whatever. I'm fine with the invention of the microwave, fire to cook food and all that. I mean, I, I think there's a reason why man invented fire well, not invented, but was able to tame fire to use for cooking. And to go away from that, I feel like it's just a big waste. Um, You also don't get as many of the proteins sometimes some of the other nutrients. So I've just never understood sometimes these people that want to go back to our primordial days because life was dark, short, and brutal. You know, you always think about some of the more classical liberal philosophers and and political philosophers who talked about government and society was important because life was short and brutal and violent before you know, we had society. So I'm okay with cooked food, honestly. And I'm okay with um, not eating like raw animal brains, personally. Maybe, you know, sue me, but yeah, that's fine. Don't sue me, but you, you get the point. Moving on, though, I wanted to talk about a kind of unique story coming out of North Carolina. It started over the weekend and it's kind of gone into this week. And basically, it involves someone who sabotaged power stations in Moore County, which is, I believe, in like central North Carolina. And it was on Saturday and early, Monday, or early Wednesday morning, which is today, they're still talking about it. And basically, these sabotage power stations have forced schools to close, businesses to shut down, and especially, you know, a lot of places don't have generators. That's been a problem. People have had to go miles to get food. And it's left many residents without heat, which obviously this is not the time of the year you want to not have heat. And CNN has an article that discusses how Duke Energy is currently trying to restore power by Wednesday evening, so at this time of recording, people are still out of power, but by the time you maybe listen to this, uh, I think people might be getting back, but tens of thousands of people have been out of power, and it's been kind of a nightmare, and the article from this morning also notes here in quotes, for now, schools are closed through Thursday, many stores and restaurants are shut, homes are without heating or running refrigerators, drivers are traversing intersections with no traffic lights, and a countrywide 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. curfew is still in place, so that's fun. That's always what you like to hear. Also, some people are going to shelters, especially if they need like heat or support. I know some people have also had to travel for over an hour to get food because obviously without generators or refrigeration or the ability to keep a business open, that's a problem. Last night I saw that some older citizens that re- that require medical treatments have been transported to other areas for help as well. So not really a great scenario that I think does kind of expose a lot of vulnerabilities in our electronic electrical infrastructure etc and of course that's not bad enough the i guess the current thoughts of what's happened and there's a lot of evidence for it is that someone fired a rifle on two substations in north carolina's moore county and they believe it was on saturday night and it was either today or yesterday i think it was today i i forget the date on the article i was doing some research on but Officials located nearly two dozen shell casings from a high-powered rifle, and it appears that someone, or a group, I don't know, they're not sure, basically shot up these two substations. And the FBI is involved in the investigation, and it seems clear, according to people who know more than me about this, that these attacks were intentional and malicious by nature. Usually when someone shoots up a substation, it's not accidental, right? And clearly the people had some understanding of what they were doing, because obviously it's wrecked havoc on the area, so definitely a shit show and i guess the big issue now is trying to figure out who could have done this and what may and, and i guess that may be difficult right because investigators are trying to find the position where the bullets were fired from because then they can look at least for footprints or tire tracks so that's a start but again quite difficult other than that from my understanding i was reading an article on this um, these types of rifles generate a lot of heat in the chamber which isn't that surprising so there's, they're not likely to find a lot of bullet prints on the casing. And so they're going to have to run, I guess, the casing itself into an ATF, America, um, Alcohol Tobacco Firearm database, and see if they can find any matches or any further information. So not the best of leads right now, but at they have found the casings and they now know what at least was the cause for these to go out. And sounds pretty malicious, intentional, whatever you want to say to me my first takeaway here is that <laughs> people are completely insane these days. You know, I, I was talking with someone about this recently, about how it just seems like everyone's kind of a little on edge, but if you're already on edge, now maybe there's some people that have kind of gone off the deep end. And there's just a lot of crazies out there. Maybe they've come out of the woodworks lately. I, I don't really know, but it just seems like there's some serious issues going on right now in, in, in society. And in this case, I just can't understand why someone would do this unless they're just disturbed or crazy or want to start something problematic. Also, it's just quite selfish, right? <laughs> but I, I guess it. I guess it's either a crazy person or someone who really wants to make a point and is anti-government. You know, I, I again, there isn't enough information because obviously they don't know who did this yet. But it'll be interesting to see the more we find out. But I also, like I said earlier, is I think this whole situation does show issues with our infrastructure in the United States, right? There's so many vulnerabilities. Like, all you need to do is turn the lights off and the heat off for a little bit, and you can really see a breakdown. I mean, we saw that in in Texas, what, almost two years ago now, I want to say, when the power grid had its failures there. Civilization's kind of always on a, there's a thin line, I guess you could say, between kind of chaos and order and electricity and energy and the way our lives are built or something interesting. And, and you know, it's funny. I mean, I mentioned it, this doesn't, this wasn't supposed to tie into it, but I, I mentioned the, you know, Liver King going back to the primordial ancestral ways. And it seems like our whole lives now, the comforts are built around things that seem more vulnerable than sometimes we hope. And that is troubling. And whoever did this ta- like attack clearly had enough information about these stations to cripple them. And that should worry everyone, in my opinion, because if one or more people can just cripple the grid like that, I think policymakers and officials in the states just really need to find ways to harden infrastructure, have backups, maybe not make the whole county reliable on these two substations, or at least have some sort of alternative. So you don't want one attack to be able to do this, right? Especially when you have vulnerable people, people need to eat, everything's built on the need for these to work. And I guess also if two people can do something like this, just imagine what a more prepared and large-scale operation could do, right? And again, I don't want to get ahead of us here and say that's going to happen, but when you see these type of things happen, it does make you go, holy crap, like there's so many vulnerabilities that we just have not really had to face yet, right? And I would like to see a motive, but again, I, I honestly wonder if this is just people who like chaos because there is that kind of vibe right now. There's also not a lot out about this at the time, but I did find some other reports, mainly from local newspapers and local news sources, that discuss that multiple states have reported similar power, outright, power outage attacks. Sorry, And there's a CBS affiliate which notes in quotes here, News Nation, one of CBS 17's partner under its parent company Nexstar, obtained a federal law enforcement memo describing similar situations across the U.S., and apparently the memo discusses how, in quotes, Oregon and Washington are experiencing physical attacks on substations using hand tools, arson, firearms, and metal chains, possibly in response to an online call for attacks on critical infrastructure. That's interesting. Online call. Of course, we know that a lot of the crazy movements and political outrage all begin online. It's a great way to mobilize, right, without ever meeting people. And that that is troubling if it's true. And... If this is the case, and I I should take this with a grain of salt because there hasn't been a lot of coverage on this yet, I don't think you, though, it could rule out some form of maybe decentralized domestic extremism or something of that nature. Again, it's too early to tell. We have to hope it's just some lone wolf who's being an idiot. But again, you never know. And especially if we do find this is happening across different states, it could be some decentralized anti-government movement, right? It's just interesting to see that you have multiple states experiencing similar issues. Probably not a coincidence. And interestingly as well, the Department of Homeland Security, part of the memos that had been obtained that, have, that kind of predated all this, discussed how on November... Okay, let me go back here. So the Department of Homeland Security put out a bulletin on November 30th, and it warned here in quotes, "...the United States remained in, r- remains in a heightened threat environment." Lone offenders and small groups motivated by a range of ideological beliefs and or personal grievances continue to pose a persistent and lethal threat to the homeland. Later on, it goes on to say, in quotes, <clears throat> Targets of potential violence include public gatherings, faith-based institutions, LGBTQ cl- uh, plus community, schools, racial and religious minorities, government facilities and personnel, U.S. critical infrastructure, the media and perceived ideological opponents. So... It is interesting that you do see them mention infrastructure, government facilities, and they talk about anti-government rhetoric being a problem. So, again, like, it could be coincidental that this memo is coming out and then we're seeing this. But we also have seen heightened issues throughout the U.S. in a myriad of different, different places, right? And so I think it's just something to keep our minds on is that. There does seem to be this kind of decentralized lone wolf extremism that's growing. It's clearly one of the biggest threats to the United States in a lot of ways. And it'll, yeah, I think it'll be something we're really going to have to grapple with for a while. And it's something that's really hard to kind of control without really cracking down on liberty. And so it's something that's really tough in a free society. So not good. I'm glad to see that they're talking about getting power back to people. But as winter's coming, this is definitely not the information you want to be seeing. Anyways, moving on, I must say that Donald Trump and those in his close orbit are really having quite a week, quite a moment, quite a unique time. It seems just like every week there's something new, you know? I mean, Donald, you know, truth socials about basically wanting to kind of, I guess put him into power and sort of overturn our perception of what the constitution is as he speaks. Then, you know, some people give out kind of milk toast criticism of it. Then he says, oh, actually, actually, I didn't say that. But it's like, dude, it was in writing. But of course, when he then comes out and says he didn't say it, it makes some of his, you know, somewhat allies, it makes it easier for them to support him or backtrack, you know, And it's just kind of crazy. Like, he's deflecting and deflecting and deflecting into worse things. Usually, if you want to distract from something bad you did or said, you try to do something positive to kind of offset it. But it seems like, you know, oh, he has dinner with a Nazi. Let's now talk about overturning the Constitution. It's like, I don't know what's next for him. But it's like, he's just, like, spiraling. But as we know, people will probably come back to him. People don't typically seem to care. I just, I'm fascinated. But anyways, this new revolution revelation, is that the Trump organization was found guilty on Tuesday of tax crimes committed by two of its longtime executives. We'll get into the details in a minute, but basically that Manhattan trial, which is one of the many that Trump is currently involved in, lots of fun, I talked about it several weeks ago, and it was basically diving into the Trump organization's finances and the inner workings of the organization. And the Washington Post writes that, in quotes here, the company was charged with scheme to Scheme to defraud, conspiracy, criminal tax fraud, and falsifying business records. They got them on all 17 counts, so it was not a great great day for the Trump organization. Of course, I should make it clear that Donald Trump himself has actually not been charged with wrongdoing personally. But you're, you're more seeing basically the issues of the organization itself and how it runs. And it also might bring some questions into why maybe Trump doesn't want his taxes released. But getting into details on this first is... This case was kind of important because it really did give us a good look into the corrupt inner workings of the Trump organization, right? Because the jury was given access to payroll and expense records, and these showed just kind of how problematic top-level executives were in the company. For example, they received perks like luxury apartments and Mercedes-Benz while concealing them from tax authorities, which from my understanding is, is frowned upon, and... The Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg said here in quotes, this was a case about lying and cheating, false documents to the end of evading taxes for the benefit of individuals and the Trump organization. And I mean, I guess this isn't really surprising. What is surprising is, I guess, how quickly they actually brought the hammer down on them. That's the only thing that surprises me. I guess I was on my flight yesterday, um, ready for takeoff when I saw this notification. And part of me was like, that's actually quicker than I thought that all of this would kind of come down. But anyways, Alan Weiselberg, who has been in the news, he's kind of been taking a lot of the the fall here, a lot of the blame. Trump's clearly thrown him to the wolves. He has been cooperating, but he's the longtime CFO, um and he was part of the guilty charges. That Washington Post article writes here in quotes, In his testimony, Weiselberg detailed how he and the company's comptroller, Jeffrey McConney, schemed to cheat state and federal tax authorities beginning in 2005 and lasting more than a decade. Obviously, this was still happening, you know, when Trump was running, so not great. I also think we saw this coming for a while, so again, I'm not f- fairly surprised at all. Now, the Trump organization has a spokesperson that came out and has argued that it's absurd— to put the organization liable for the nefarious actions of employees. I guess if I was being very generous, I would say there's some reasoning to that argument. But when you also just understand how involved Trump is with the organization and how close he was with Weiselberg, I think you would have to have to know that he either knew about what was happening, was involved with what was happening, or at least has some sort of fingerprints on this. I, of course, think it should be noted, though, that the real estate, hospitality, and golf resort operation, the Trump Organization, seems to only, at least according to what I've read, they only face the possibility of like a $1.6 million fine, and that sentencing is scheduled for January 13th, and that feels like a slap on the wrist. Like, obviously, if someone <laughs> gave me that fine, I would be screwed right now. $1.3 million is a lot, but for the organization, that doesn't seem... Particularly crazy. I think maybe you need to do more, especially when you look at what Alex Jones is having to be liable to pay. So it's interesting to me. I also just feel like this is a trend of the whole organization just being quite problematic. Also, I mean, remember the Tr- Trump Foundation, which was a five hundred one c three nonprofit, clearly was for profit and was very flawed. And it just seems like this guy, everything he touches is not um, not done with moral and ethical values at mind. And we have to always think about that with the uh, the president, the presidency and the government and why, if he becomes the nominee, we should not maybe maybe support someone like that going back in. But I won't get ahead of myself there. So while this does, I don't think, completely implicate Trump, I do think it's a sign that Trump isn't immune, That which is a positive thing, especially when you look at happening down in Georgia as well with those investigations, what's happening with the January 6th committee, I do think that Trump, in a sense, is less immune than he's ever been, and that is positive news. There was an interesting article in Real Clear Politics yesterday. Now, this is a little side note, so it doesn't really have to do with this case, but it was about how pretty much every candidate who, who was endorsed by Trump or was Trumpy did five points worse for Republicans than other candidates who were more isolated from Trump, And basically, the article argues that while everyone thinks it was the Dobbs decision and the overturning of Roe v. Wade, maybe that worked in places like Michigan specifically, and I think it did. But this article basically thinks that maybe the January 6th committee was more effective than people first assumed it would be in showing the public that Trump really is kind of a toxic figure who— probably should be not even near the presidency again. And I don't know if that was true in every race, but it does seem like people are more aware of Trump's problematic nature and his actions than ever before. And it's something to think about. But anyways, back to Trump not being as immune as we thought. I would also argue that, you know, Trump's taxes are now (laughs) in the hands of Congress. And I would argue that maybe Trump does not want people to see his taxes because, Maybe we're going to find things similar to what Weiselberg and McConaughey had done. That's just one possible thought. I mean, we're also learning about Trump's connections with the South Korean firm while he was even in office linked to North Korea. So that's also troubling. I, I, I haven't done enough reading on that to really talk more about it, but I know they're finding troubling information from the Trump organization and from Donald Trump, even when he was in office. So that is, that is alarming. David Frum has a good article in The Atlantic that goes over some of this. He writes, and I'm sorry it's long, but I think it's interesting, is he writes here in quotes, the eight years of individual tax returns, 2011 to 2019, now in possession of the U.S. Congress must feel deeply ominous to Trump. If his 100% wholly owned personal company broke the rules, as as has now been proved, and if Trump and his late father engaged in systemically dubious schemes to avoid inheritance and estate taxes in the 80s and 90s, as the New York Times reported in 2018, then it seems improbable that Trump himself abruptly turned a new leaf after 2010. A personal criminal referral could be heading his way. Now, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I always like to hope. I always like to hope. But it does seem like, yeah, he didn't just become this, uh, this great leader and moral and ethical businessman in 2010. At least, at least I would be very surprised. And, uh, If I'm wrong, I'll I'll admit it, but I I don't see it happening. But it does seem like the walls are closing in around him again. I don't know if it's enough to really do anything. I think a lot of people don't particularly care, so we'll have to keep it followed. But I was just interested about kind of everything happening there. And before we're out of here, episode a little bit shorter today, I think I'm, you know, just getting adjusted from the big day of travel yesterday, but there is some good news coming out of Georgia. You know, we've all been thinking about Georgia for a while, Uh, Herschel Walker did not win the runoff in Georgia. And the reason why I say that is I'm not like a hardcore Raphael Warnock fan by any means. But for me, it was important because Herschel Walker is not in the Senate. I mean, he would have made us an international joke more so than we already were with, you know, the Trump era. And I think Warnock's win against Walker yesterday in the runoff was kind of the icing on the cake to demonstrate that the Democrats had a pretty good showing in the midterms, especially in the Senate. And look, now we have 51 to 49 in the Senate. Kamala Harris doesn't have to be the tiebreaker. We also don't have to rely on the kooky Kirsten Cinema for everything or Joe Manchin when he doesn't agree with all, like Democrats on some of the things they want. It's just a better situation. And, you know, I bet Republicans are waking up today not very thrilled. And they shouldn't be because they put a lot of effort into a guy who is completely insane and just should not be in the Senate. And, you know, you had Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott and Ted Cruz and, you know, just numerous other Republicans down there, you know, championing championing Herschel Walker and didn't work out well for them. And, of course, again, I think the only way— that the Republicans really move on from all this is if they keep losing. So I'm hoping they keep losing because I think they're learning some valuable lessons or at least if they were smart, they would. Let's remember that they did that autopsy after Mitt Romney lost to Obama in 2012 and they really realized they needed to be more diverse and appeal to minorities. Voters have a more moderate immigration stance. Of course, they didn't listen to that advice. They managed to get Trump in 2016 and I think they thought they didn't have to listen to what the great autopsy happened to be but I think it's time for them to do another autopsy and maybe listen to that original autopsy, which was don't be as crazy. Don't be as turnoffy to average mid middle of the road, independent leaning voters. And so far, they haven't seemed to get that message. But with with what's happened in Georgia now, and, you know, Kerry Lake in, in Arizona, like Arizona now has a, or a Democratic governor, two Democratic senators. There's a lot of questions that I think they need to ask themselves. And I, I just think this was the icing on the cake. And a good point I saw in the Atlantic this morning was an article that said in quotes here, "Democrats have defeated every GOP Senate and gubernatorial candidate endorsed by Trump this year in the five states that flipped from supporting him in 2016 to backing Joe Biden in 2020. These are Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Arizona." And it's that's like that's pretty pretty bad if you're if you're a Republican trying to, you know, win elections and keep moving forward. So I think we're going to see a lot of cranky crankiness coming from Republicans over the next week or so. And I I think the irony of this is that we might see more Herschel Walkers because even if they're losing and people like me are like, the writing is clearly on the wall. Like it's not even tiny. Like you should be able to see it from a mile away. It's more like a giant projection on the wall, I guess you could say, or like the bat symbol. Like it's so easy to see, but they don't. And I could see there being more Herschel Walker candidates because these type of people win the primaries and there's a small percentage of the Republican base or actually a pretty decent amount of the Republican base that will always support these people. So even as crazy and dangerous as Herschel Walker went, it's, it's too bad that, that that guy, I feel like he was kind of used by the party in a sense. And, you know, he was just used by Republicans who wanted to kind of use his image in Georgia. And maybe he can just kind of fade off into the ether or something. So, Anyways, I want to thank you guys all for listening today. Good news out of Georgia, so I'm happy to hear about that. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, you know, all the fun ones. So take care, have a great rest of your day, and I'll be back.